1: bluenile.com summer is here pack your bag with sunscreen your emotional sport water bottle and that steamy bee treat but wait don't stop there this year there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's
0: comfortable? before it's given the stamp of boob approval, comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15.
1: Let's talk about the federal budget. You know, in some ways, it's budgeting we're all familiar with, money in, money out. And in other ways, it is infinitely more complex. This is Sarah. This is Beth.
0: You're listening to Pantsuit Politics, the home of grace-filled political conversations. everyone. It's Friday and a lot is happening. We're just doing our best here at Fancy Politics. America, not so much, but we're doing our best to stay (laughs) on top of things. Today, we are going to do a quick discussion of the developing news that's taking place as we're recording, and then we're going to tell you five things we want you to know about the federal budget process, which I know is not on anyone's front burner right now, but we're Mm. um, in kind of a crunch with getting our government funded. And so we want to tell you as much as we can about that.
1: And also, we already did it on impeachment. So (laughs) go back and listen to that one.
0: Before we dive into that, just a reminder, we're going to be in Dallas really soon, you guys, for the very last stop of our tour. And Sarah realized, looking at the calendar, that we're going to be in Dallas as we celebrate Pantsuit Politics' fourth birthday. And it's, going, it's to going to be a be exciting. very exciting time for all of us to be together. So we hope you'll get your tickets. Link is in the show notes.
1: As we're recording this, I was living my life as a human person out in the world, separate from the internet. And then I came back and I said, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and Beth was like, I, no, I think I said, what's going on? More than just the explosive Bill Taylor testimony. And you were like, Oh, yeah. More than that.
0: We're recording on Wednesday afternoon because we have to be on airplanes tomorrow on Thursday when we normally record. And so as we are recording, House Republicans, a group of them led by Matt Gates, who just, you know, Ugh. when his name's involved, it's not going to be great, mm-hmm. have the media is using the phrase stormed the skiff. What you really need to
1: understand is that they should stop using that phrase because it's dumb. Let's start there. You should understand that.
0: Republicans who are on the committees doing the impeachment investigation right now, specifically members of the House Intelligence Committee, are sitting in. The depositions that are taking place. So there are Republicans there. Democrats are not holed up running this process alone. There are Republicans in the room. There are Republicans like Jim Jordan and Devin Nunes in the room. Okay, so the president has people who are hearing every single word that's being spoken in front of Democrats. But that is not good enough for Matt Gates and some of his friends. And the Republican talking point right now is that this is a super secret process and that it's being conducted out of transparent view of the American public. And it's awful. OK, what they are failing to acknowledge, and they all well know this, is that the House is just getting its ducks in a row to decide what the articles of impeachment are going to look like. And when they bring those articles of impeachment to the floor of the full house, we're going to hear from all these same people Mm -hmm. again in open hearings. And then if they impeach the president and it goes to the Senate for a trial, we'll hear from all of them again and they will be cross-examined and the president will have an opportunity to say whatever he wants as part of that trial. So, the complaints about the process are super disingenuous. And today we move past just being disingenuous about this into we're going to walk our bodies into this hearing room where we don't belong. And this hearing room is set up as a secure room where you are not supposed to have cell phones. No one is supposed to be talking about what's going on in these hearing rooms. And Foreign governments have wanted for a long time to understand how we set up these secure facilities. So these guys waltz in with their cell phones, which Mike Conaway of Texas had to take from them, and just sit themselves down, delaying the testimony of a Defense Department witness. And right now, Wednesday afternoon, we still have just a standoff between people who are not on these committees and people who are on the committees over what to do
1: about it. I think you're missing a very important technical term for this. It's called a goat rodeo. So just if anyone out there wants to describe this situation, the term is goat rodeo. It's so ridiculous to me. So we're recording this on Wednesday. This is going down on Wednesday. The reason they're doing this is because on Tuesday, former Ambassador Bill Taylor came with some truly explosive testimony. This man is a West Point grad, Vietnam vet, appointed to be the ambassador to Ukraine under George W. Bush, just an all-around sort of unassailable kind of character. And he came and said, oh, hi, I brought all the receipts. There was quid pro quo. Not just for the military aid, but also for a meeting with the president. There was a shadow, basically foreign policy going on. This was really, truly bad. Let me let me explain it to you. And so to deflect from this incredibly damaging testimony, they have staged a goat rodeo. There's a
0: part of me that just wants the House Democrats to call their bluff and say, fine, let's just go ahead and vote. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Let's put everybody on record today Mm -hmm. on where they are as consistent polling shows that Americans are getting more comfortable with the idea of impeaching this president. Let's just go ahead and do it. Let's go ahead and have these witnesses testify in public. We've heard enough.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So that's what's happening in a portion of the Congress. Also happening right now, Mark Zuckerberg is testifying. There's just a lot going on. We are going to turn our attention for today because we can all walk and chew gum to the federal budget process. And we're going to start with just giving you some basic terminology about the budget process because you know what, surprise, it's not very
1: intuitive. We will be right back after this short message from our sponsor. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional support water bottle, and that steamy beach read. but wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. com slash pantsuit.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's going to be December before I know it. My kids are growing up and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped and I closed my eyes and I pictured my last therapist who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked to me through these issues and I sort of channeled his energy and put my feet on the ground and thought, this is just how time feels now. And there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. Those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P.com slash pantsuit.
1: The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you the clothes I have don't fit, they don't go together the way I want them to, or I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go to for high quality vacation essentials, like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling blouses and shorts from $30 washable silk tops premium luggage options, and so much more. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than their similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I got big plans for my Quince chiffon pleated skirt. In Japan, they like a loose, flowy look over there to battle the heat. I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials Quince. Go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e.com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit. let's talk about the federal budget. You know, in some ways, it's budgeting we're all familiar with, money in, money out. And in other ways, it is infinitely more complex. And there's a lot of just sort of basic vocabulary we thought we should run down before we get started. So the first thing you need to know are the meanings of a couple of words. Okay, so You have authorization, which is the first step in the process. Authorization bills create programs, continue programs. Agencies and programs have to be authorized before they can spend money appropriated to them according to the rules of the House of Representatives. Is this rule always followed? No, it is not. But that's the idea. And then an appropriation
0: is authorizing the expenditure of funds for a given purpose consistent with those authorizations. So first we say, this agency exists or this program is allowed to continue. And then we have to tie the specific
1: funding to it through the appropriations process. So we have the national debt, which is not to be confused with the national Deficit, you know, we have all that. Why do they all start with the same word? So we have authorization or the same letter, authorization and appropriation. Then you have debt and deficit. So the debt is the money the government owes. The deficit is the amount we spend as exceeded by what we take in. So the amount of by which the government expenditures are greater than the tax collections in a given year. So debt is sort of we're accumulating that all the time. A deficit is a year-to-year situation. And then, of course, we have the debt ceiling, and that's the limit on the amount of debt the federal government allows itself to hold. And Congress, as you're probably aware from the news stories, raises this debt ceiling often. The first overall debt ceiling was passed in 1939, and since then, we've raised the debt ceiling or amended it over 140 times, including a dozen times since 2000.
0: We're going to tell you today about how this process is supposed to play out, but I want to share with you three shortcut terms because we don't usually get through this process as it is supposed Mm -hmm. to play out. And so... The word omnibus is important. This means a budget that encompasses more than one of the 12 appropriations bills that are supposed to go forward individually. And omnibus bills get used when Congress and the president can't agree on those individual bills. So they start stacking them up and tying together provisions that sort of leave people without a choice on what to vote for. Continuing resolutions are another shortcut we take. We're supposed to have the entire government funded by October 1st, the beginning of the fiscal (laughs) year. And we almost never have that done. So Congress passes and sends to the president for signature, a continuing resolution. This is just stopgap funding for agencies and programs. They don't want to shut down the government. They want to keep it going at current levels until the regular budget process can be concluded. And then finally, sequestration is a term that you might here. These are automatic across the board spending cuts that are in place in case Congress can't get its work done within limits on discretionary spending that have been decided in previous years. So sometimes as part of negotiations, Congress will say, we're sick and tired of all this spending, but we're not going to do anything about it today. Future Congresses, you must live by these rules. And if you don't, Mm -hmm. here are these draconian cuts that are going to go into place. And that's what sequestration means.
1: So that's with regards to discretionary spending. So the next thing we want you to know is the difference between mandatory spending, discretionary spending, and tax breaks, because that all affects spending and revenue. Okay, so a third of the federal budget is discretionary. These are programs, agencies, activities that Congress chooses to fund every Year. Now, the biggest category of this is military spending, but it sweeps up a lot of things. The Defense, Department of Homeland Security, Education, the Veterans Administration, Energy Department, HUD, the State Department, NASA. The, every year we're deciding, yes, this is what we want to continue to spend money on. So that those are choices and priorities that can be made and often a source of major budget battles because that's what Congress is choosing or choosing not to fund every year. It's why we have to fight about. Big Bird and PBS and the, you know, National Endowment for the Arts every time because it's discretionary.
0: And then the rest of the budget is mandatory. Congress cannot change it. When Congress created Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, it mandated the eligibility for participating in those programs. And it said if people are eligible You have to pay these benefits. That's why they're called entitlement programs. This also includes SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, and a pretty significant amount of federal spending on transportation. Now, Congress can change the rules to make people eligible for those programs, but it can't change what gets paid out to them. So every year, we just have an estimate of what those costs will be, but it's not a number that Congress is actively moving unless it's considering eligibility change.
1: And then the last really important component of funding mandatory and discretionary program, besides just writing the check, is that we are also technically spending money within the tax code. They're called tax expenditures. There are hundreds of tax breaks written into the federal code, and these tax breaks don't require annual approval or prioritization like discretionary spending or even eligibility debates like mandatory spending. Once they're written in, they remain until modified. So some tax expenditures are larger than the budgets of the programs or departments that spend money for those same purposes. The value of tax breaks, for example, from home ownership far exceed what HUD spends. OK, total. The largest tax, expend- tax expenditure in 2019 will be tax exclusions for employer-sponsored health insurance. So we don't have to pay taxes on the money, the value of our employer-sponsored health insurance. And that's a huge bucket of money that doesn't come into the government, that's not collected so it's seen as basically a tax expenditure because we're not we're giving that tax breakout we're not taking in that revenue
0: we ask on instagram and twitter what questions y'all have about the budget and many of you had questions about deficits and debt so let's dive into that a little bit more for fiscal year 2019 the one that just ended the Office of Management and Budget at the beginning of that fiscal year estimated that revenue, so taxes, money coming into the government, would be about $3.4 trillion. The planned spending for 2019 was $4.5 trillion. So in that one-year cycle, we created a $1 trillion budget deficit. That is up 40% from 2018 and the largest deficit we've had since 2012. For this coming year, fiscal year, 2020, which starts on October 1st and runs through September 30th of next year, the administration's budget request estimated $4.76 trillion in expenses, with revenue estimated at $3.6 trillion. So again, a little over a trillion dollar deficit, $1.1 trillion.
1: That's a lot of money that we're adding to the debt every year. So that means we're spending more than we're taking in. So as deficit years add up, and we've had lots in a row, the federal debt grows. The federal debt is the sum of all those past deficit years, minus any repayments. At the end of the 2019 fiscal year, the national debt was $22.687 trillion. The second straight year, has risen by trillion dollars. So where are we borrowing this money from? Most U.S. debt is held by investors who buy treasury securities at different interest rates and different maturities. So like when they come due. Okay, so these are both domestic and foreign investors. You always hear a lot about China and both government and private funds. Foreign investors hold more than 40% of the total. China and Japan each hold more than $1 trillion of our debt. China is definitely our largest creditor.
0: A problem that we have right now is that our total debt is becoming larger than our economy. The only developed nations in the world with a higher debt to gross domestic product ratio than us are Portugal, Italy, Greece, and Japan. So some of you ask, how are we so indebted and still one of the world's richest nations? And the answer is, we have never defaulted on our debt. And so people are willing to keep loaning us money. In fact, there is a difference of opinion now about how big a problem the debt is among economists, because so far we just keep racking up debt and none of the doomsday predictions have come true. Some economists think that as long as our interest rates aren't ballooning, which typically happens when you take on too much debt, we're okay to just keep borrowing more. We're still a good bet for the global economy. And they also say that we kind of have a what they call a gray wall against interest rates going up because the population of the United States is aging and older people, in theory, are less likely to take on new debt, which means that the demand for credit will fall as our population ages, keeping the cost of borrowing money fairly low. That is one view of the world. Another view of the world is, Hello, by 2050, we're going to be at 150% of our GDP in debt, worse than World War II era. And Medicare and Social Security are going to keep getting more expensive as we get Mm -hmm. older. And so we could see really high inflation and sharp increases in interest rate and slower growth. And our national security apparatus tells us the present situation where we are so indebted to China is unsustainable. We
1: don't spend a huge amount of money on the interest on those debts, but it's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. I mean, we're already spending more on interest than we are on programs for children. So if that tells us anything, if budgeting is about priorities, that should tell you something. Number four. So how is this process supposed to work? Okay. so in theory, we're going to set out our spending priorities in a budget, just like you would if you were running your family budget or your business budget. What's the money coming in? In the government's case, that's taxes versus what's the money going out, aka spending. And it was pretty simple for most of our country's history. Now, Congress has the power of the purse, but they're not going to make individual spending decisions. They're certainly not going to be in charge of that as the size of the federal government gets larger and larger. So for a long time, Congress took care of it. And we only really had deficits during war times, during financial crises. However, as you move into the 20th century, we face the Great Depression. What had been a simple process, if not fragmented, taken by Congress, really wasn't working. So Congress passes the Budget and Accounting Act of 1921, which establishes the executive budget process, which pushes a lot of this process to the executive branch, The president was required to submit his budget recommendations to Congress each year, and the Bureau of the Budget, which became the Office of Management and Budget, the OMB, which you hear a lot about, was created to assist him or her in carrying out the budget responsibilities. The 1921 Act also established the General Accounting Office, headed by the Comptroller General, which was made the principal auditing arm of the federal government, and the GAO was recently renamed the Government Accountability Office. As with so many things that influence our present politics,
0: Richard Nixon gets involved. Mm -hmm. Because that comes up so much, man. So Richard Nixon gets his budget and he believes Congress has appropriated too much for certain programs. And he says, you know, I'm just not going to spend some of this money. And at the time, it was clear that a president needed Congress's permission to spend money It was not clear if the president had to spend the money and all of it the way Congress said. And so Congress looks at this situation as it's making its way through the court system and decides, we're not really interested in letting the Supreme Court rule on this. We are going to change this process up. And they thought the executive branch has too much budget power, and we are going to pass a new law, the Congressional Budget and Impoundment Control Act of 1974. And the principal purpose was to coordinate revenue and spending decisions, which at that point were all over the place. And so it established the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, and directed it to provide data and analysis of the federal budget. And it really set in motion the five main steps of the federal budget process today, which we're looking at at a very high level. Right, because it
1: never works like this. That's going to be number five. <laughs> so the president submits a budget request to congress and just a, a little time out we're setting up the president submitting his budget as the first step in the process but in reality months before that all the agencies and programs within the executive branch are submitting their budget request to the white house then the white house puts together the document and sends that to congress supposedly and usually, by the first Monday in February. Then the Congressional Budget Office submits economic and budget reports to congressional budget committees. And if you remember, I mean, everybody was sort of waiting with bated breath for the CBO reports on like the tax cuts. They're really seen as instrumental and usually nonpartisan In sort of putting forth what they think will happen with this legislation. The purpose of this the president's budget is for the president to recommend overall fiscal policy. It shares the president's priority for federal programs and recommendations for spending and tax policy changes.
0: You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout.
1: Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin. So it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. Breeze Sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. Earth Breeze eco sheets, it's like the perfect solution. A child as young as 2 can handle these sheets and even with toddlers like you can get them involved and this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, got to love it so much. Right now our listeners can receive 40% off Earth Breeze just by going to earthbreeze.com/pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com/pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com/pantsuit
0: It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. And then the House and Senate go to work. In each chamber, you have hearings going on, questions being put to officials, and each chamber drafts budget resolutions. Budget resolutions are kind of like, here are our thoughts as we go through this process. They're guidelines. And they set limits on how much each committee that's going to work in a more granular way on the budget can spend or how much they can reduce revenue in bills that they're going to consider. So much goes into this process. And sometimes Congress uses a special procedure called reconciliation to think about the big picture in terms of taxes or deficit reduction or entitled programs. Sometimes they're considering those, those automatic across-the-board budget cuts, sequestration. And so they work on their individual budget resolutions. They bring them together and reconcile them. And once they have a budget resolution, they give it to the congressional committees. It is not a law that goes to the president. For signature, it's just guidance and
1: direction to those committees that go to work. So then the House and Senate appropriations subcommittees mark up these appropriation bills, and there are usually 12 of them, and they put those together in the omnibus. Recently, when we actually had some of these appropriation bills passed, they put, they put them together in what they called minibuses, not all 12 together, but in different groups. Then the president signs each of these appropriation bills, and the budget becomes law. So that is how it's supposed to go. It often
0: does not go that way. Yeah. 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 Since the enactment of this current process in the 70s, there have been a total of 22 funding gaps in the federal budget, and 10 of those have led to federal employees being furloughed.
1: So you have significant shutdowns. You have the 21-day shutdown in 95 and 96 with Bill Clinton over spending cuts, the 16-day shutdown in 2013 with Barack Obama's administration over the implementation of the Affordable Care Act. Then, of course, we have the 35-day shutdown in 2018 and 2019 during the Trump administration caused by a dispute over funding of an expansion of the border wall.
0: This year is a little different because in February 2018, Congress enacted a bill to guide spending for 2019. So that budget resolution process was already done. Hooray. Hooray for Congress thinking a little bit longer term. And yet we are still not out of this process. Basically, the border wall has once again stalled everything out. And this whole impeachment inquiry is unlikely to be helpful in moving things forward, mm-hmm. except mm-hmm. insofar as it seems that no one wants a government shutdown. So, in September, when it became clear that things would not be finished by October 1st, Congress passed a continuing resolution that keeps the government funded through November 21st. We are coming up on November 21st. The House has passed 10 of the 12 appropriations bills. The Senate has passed zero. It is supposed to take up four bills this week, but there are lots of contentious issues and everyone expects that we are getting geared up for another
1: continuing resolution. Another continuing resolution, another fight about funding the government in the midst of both an election year and an impeachment inquiry. I think this is going to go really well. What do you think, Beth? Yeah, I feel really good about how things are going. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One other quick thing.
0: Someone asked us if Congress actually reads these budget bills, and I don't know how to answer that question except to tell you that since those 12 sets of bills are so often combined into omnibus bills or continuing resolution omnibus or cromnibus bills or minibus bills and sometimes can be actually thousands of pages long. In 2006, a watchdog group drafted the Read the Bills Act, which would require Mm -hmm. members of Congress to at least get full copies of what they are voting on. So there you have
1: it. We owe an incredible debt to Tara Lee, who helped us with this research and put together like the most amazing document and has volunteered to be sort of Pansy Politics research assistant. And we want to send her all the love and probably a cookie cake and we appreciate all of you very much stay with
0: us on social media one quick follow up to Tuesday's episode everyone wants the nativity i described and you are wise <laughs> to want it because it's fabulous what you need to do is go on instagram and follow being sarah dixon s a r a d i x o n being sarah dixon and sign up for her email newsletter which is where all the good shopping of her stuff happens she's she makes these things individually so it's not like you can just hop on Amazon and order 15 of them. They're so beautiful, totally worth the wait. So get her email. You'll be thrilled that you did. And hopefully everyone will have one of these beautiful nativities in their homes for the holidays. We'll be back with you here on Tuesday to talk about our thoughts related to the budget process, including things like a balanced budget amendment. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all.
1: David McWilliams, Joshua Allen, Linda Rucker, Martha Bernatsky, Melanie Cravey, and Tiffany Hassler. Our theme
0: music is composed and performed by Dante Lima. The music under our ads is composed
1: and performed by Dylan Garvin. Learn more about our lives, live events that we're involved in, and what we're reading each week by signing up for our weekly newsletter at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.
0: And connect with members of the Pantsuit Politics community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.